and welcome to another episode of Untraditionally Traditional, a podcast with me, Brittany Duncan, a millennial homemaker. Join me each week as I share all the things I've learned that make keeping your home, garden, and life running smoothly all while working. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so you get the episodes downloaded straight to you every Monday. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Untraditionally Traditional, a millennial homemaker podcast. I am so glad that you're here with me today. I'd like to start the first episode of each month, since it's our In the Kitchen segment of the podcast, off with what's in season. It's really important to me to try and eat more seasonally and locally. I read this great book a few years ago that was recommended to me by my friend Hannah called Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsover. And it was such a good read that stuck with me because it really focused on the footprint our food makes, particularly the impact that shipping our food all around the world makes. And I want to do my part by eating more what's in season, when it's in season, instead of searching for the perfectly ripe peach all year round. Uh, In all honesty, searching for that perfect peach out of season leads to nothing but disappointment. It smells good, it feels good, and then if your experiences are anything like mine, you cut into it to find a grainy fruit rotting from the inside out. No thank you. I'll cover what's in season here in Idaho first, and then expand into some of the warmer climates where there's a wider variety this time of year. Uh, Using the farm flavor season produce calendar, I learned that right now here in Idaho, we have apples, asparagus, fresh herbs, greens, onions, and of course, potatoes. Here in my kitchen, uh, I have fresh herbs all year round because I'm a sucker for fresh basil and I keep a pot in my kitchen window year round where she can get all the sunlight that she needs. Now, for those of you who are in southern states, that have a seriously long growing season, looking at you, Florida. Your list gets expanded to include artichokes, beets, carrots, celery, fennel, leeks, parsnips, rhubarb, sunchokes. Uh, If you've had the opportunity to pick up sunchokes, do it. I was first introduced to them at our college farmer's market at College of Charleston, and they are very delicious and fun to work into recipes, so check them out. Uh, In other states, you've also got in-season cherries, grapefruit, kiwi, kumquats, limes, mangoes, oranges, pineapples, strawberries, and papaya. I can attest to the papayas as we were just in Miami for a family wedding and my husband's tia Ula invited us to stay at her lovely home where she has papaya trees that she planted thriving in her garden. On our first morning there, I was welcomed with a fresh cup of coffee and even fresher papaya, and it was heavenly. So um, if you are in a warm climate and feel like, you know, trying your hand at growing an exotic fruit, go for it. There's nothing like enjoying ingredients that you know are in season, particularly those that you know were grown with care and love. Uh, The farmers you meet at your local's farmer's market don't do what they do because of some insane profit margin, I assure you that. I'm willing to bet they do it because they know how important it is and love it to their core. Uh, It's just too hard of work not to love it. I will add that I've been impressed to see produce from local farmers appear at uh, our local grocery stores. I don't know if that's nationwide happening, but here in Idaho, uh, the store makes it known that it's a local ingredient and notes where it was grown, which is really cool. Uh, When we lived in Georgia, I was always shocked to see that peaches were sold 
from other states and same as when we lived in Charleston, South Carolina, it was rare to see local fish at our grocery. So it's it's great to be seeing that our our local um, Albertsons and other grocery stores here in Boise are sourcing from local farmers and, and making it known that, you know, you giving you the option to see, oh, these carrots are local. I'm going to get these instead of, you know, the ones that are shipped in. If you can join a CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture, or if you're in a coastal city, see if you have access to a CSF, which is Community Supported Fishery. Uh, in Charleston, Johnson and I learned about Abundant Seafood, and which is a CSF, and we loved going to pick up fresh, beautiful, locally caught fish right there in Charleston. So see um, what your options are in terms of a CSA or CSF. There's nothing better than going to pick out fresh ingredients that you know were, were grown right, right around you. All right, now that I've made my pitch for local produce and supporting our farmers, let's dive into the meat of this episode, which is how I meal plan. I consider myself an inspired cook. I'm like a sponge reading cooking blogs and magazines and, of course, cookbooks. I honestly have an obsession and uh, a growing concern that one day my husband will cut me off when it comes to my cookbook purchases. Um, But I've always been one to love following a recipe, which probably comes from my love of baking, which was my first love as a homemaker that has expanded into a love for all things culinary over the years. With baking, as many of you know, it is crucial to follow the directions and measure your ingredients. Too much of this or not enough of that can turn your tasty treat into a total flop. So from baking, I really developed a love for following a recipe. I make my meal planning a a time to treat myself. I make a nice frothy warm cup of coffee. I light a candle and I grab five random cookbooks from my collection curl up on the sofa and I flip through them looking at the pictures and reading the recipe descriptions like others might flip through Vogue. If you don't have many cookbooks or space to store cookbooks, uh, a lot of chefs have beautiful websites that host many of their recipes that are available to you for free and I did this for years. Bookmark some of your favorites, pull them up and begin browsing when you are selecting your recipes to make for the week. Get your pen and paper or preferred note-taking app and write down the ingredients you need to pick up right then. This process first became a habit when I bought Cook Once, Eat All Week by Cassie Joy Garcia after hearing my friend Michelle rave about it. Her book has recipes broken into weeks and between the three recipes for the week, you will completely use an ingredient, uh, which is a very cool concept. I'll admit that often when I choose a recipe, say that uses half of a head of red cabbage, I then have half of a red cabbage looking at me with sad eyes from the back of my fridge weeks later begging to be used. Her book is great if you're starting out the meal planning uh, process and shop once, eat all week style. I'll add that the shop once, eat all week is one of the main reasons I adopted this practice. I don't hate grocery shopping, but once a week is enough. I hated finishing the workday and then realizing that I needed to go to the grocery in order to prepare dinner for my family. Um, So... I, I love this process. I get to meal plan and know what I'm making. I go and buy all my ingredients at once and I am set for the week. Some of my other favorites recently are Tegan Gerard, who is known on Instagram and her blog as Half-Baked Harvest. 
When we first moved to Idaho, my in-laws generously allowed my husband, Johnson, and I to move into their cabin in Stanley, Idaho, while Johnson studied for his board exams, and we made the decision about where we wanted to lay down roots. We put everything in storage and drove out one car, which was filled to the brim with our essentials, our golden retriever sage being the primary item that required uh, most of the space in the car for the three-day drive. I knew I couldn't bring my beloved cookbook collection, but on the way to Idaho, we stopped at HomeGoods, and I saw one of Tegan's books there, a deal I just couldn't pass up. And so for our six months at the cabin with my one beloved cookbook, I had a bit of a Julie and Julia thing going. But long before I had her now three cookbooks, I referenced her website weekly during my recipe searches. Uh, I'll link it for y'all in the show notes and, and you can check it out. Lastly, I have fallen in love with a book that my friends Marianne and Eric gave me for my birthday this year called Love Real Food by Katherine Taylor, who you might know from Instagram or her blog as Cookie and Kate. Her recipes are vegetarian, but they can easily be adapted to include shrimp or chicken, steak, whatever you're craving. Uh, But I have especially been loving her breakfast recipes, one I will share at the end of this episode for our Make It From Scratch segment. I want you to be excited about cooking, excited about grocery shopping, because you know that you're getting fresh ingredients that are going to bring to life the recipes that inspired you during your, your session with your cookbooks or blogs. No one is excited about a dinner that they threw together by opening the fridge, grabbing random ingredients, desperately trying to throw something together last minute, because that is when most of us resort to eating out when we don't have a predetermined plan and ingredients on hand. Save your meals out for a date night, a predetermined, you know, get together with friends, a a restaurant that you've been wanting to try, not random takeaway because you didn't have anything decent in the fridge that night. Lastly, I want to invite you to wash your produce when you get home from the grocery store. I personally lay everything out on the counter except for things like lettuce and mushrooms, which really should be washed right before using so they don't get scuzzy. I take off all the rubber bands, peel off those annoying barcode stickers, and I dump everything into my clean farmhouse sink. Fill it with warm water, and I've been adding the Trader Joe's vegetable wash. Uh, You could probably use a mild dish soap, but... I've been using this Trader Joe's wash, and it's been great. Uh, I put a colander in the sink for smaller fruits like berries, so I have less work to do uh, rinsing and separating everything out after the wash. Let me tell y'all, you would be shocked at what comes off of your produce. Once you wash your produce like this once, you will not stop doing it because you'll want to ensure that all your fruit and vegetables are clean. Seriously. There's things like, you know, potatoes and leeks that grow in the ground that you would expect to turn the water. But I've watched things like apples and peppers that, you know, you don't expect to be dirty. And um, yeah, I'll just say, wash wash your produce with a produce rinse. Uh, the, the five second rinse under the tap is not cutting it. Then once I wash everything, rinse it, I lay it out to dry on some drying mats and then put it in containers in the fridge. If you've got the time, go ahead and pre-chop some of those items. I personally always quarter my strawberries and I put them in a Loctite container with a paper towel in the bottom for any moisture and they last really well. Uh, same with all the berries actually, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries. Just put that paper towel down put them on top and they're good to go. I label our produce drawer. So I've got one that is labeled washed and ready to eat and the other one says unwashed so everyone knows which produce has been washed or not. 
doing these steps, meal planning, bulk grocery shopping, bulk washing, and if you have the time, bulk chopping and prepping, saves you a lot of time throughout the week, uh, which is when most of us are our busiest. I know for Johnson and I, we eat healthier foods if they're in the fridge, washed, and ready to enjoy. I'm going to end today's episode with a make it from scratch segment, which is where I'm going to highlight something that I make from scratch, and you can too. There are so many things that we buy for ease that really don't require that much effort and are much cleaner and tastier if you make yourself. Today's make it from scratch is a two-parter. The first part is granola. Super easy, y'all, and will save you some moolah. I use the same base and then vary up my mix-ins. The base is three tablespoons of unsalted butter, which I brown in a small pan. And then once it's browned, I add a half a cup of honey or maple syrup and half a cup of extra virgin olive oil. Mix that up, pour it over three cups of oats, and then I add two cups of mix-ins. I usually love using a variety of nuts and seeds, um, kind of whatever I have on hand. Um, I, I bake and cook a lot, so sometimes I have half a cup of pecans here and half a cup of hazelnuts there, and I, I just kind of take what I have on hand. Um, and then usually I'll add half a cup of unsweetened coconut. Top tip, if you're going to add dried fruit to your granola, do so after baking it. Uh, learn from my mistake that those little dried blueberries become stones that very well could break a tooth. And then part two of today's Make It From Scratch is cinnamon applesauce, uh, which I'm linking in the show notes. It is from Cookie and Kate, and it is so tasty and really versatile. I made parfaits in small jars to have handy in the fridge using this applesauce, layered with Greek yogurt. So applesauce, Greek yogurt, applesauce, Greek yogurt. And then right before serving, top it with a little bit of the granola, and they're so good. You can also eat this applesauce straight up or... You can leave it more on the chunky side when you're um, cooking it originally and then heat it up and top it with some granola for a healthier crumble type dessert. So try that. Make your granola. Try out this applesauce. This concludes our episode for today. I hope you've enjoyed learning about how I meal plan so that I actually enjoy it. And I hope that you check out the recipe and books linked in the show notes. Be sure to join me next Monday because we are diving into the garden. Thank you for listening to this episode of Untraditionally Traditional. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with those special people who would love it too and write a review. For more tips and photos of my home and garden, follow Untraditionally Traditional Pod on Instagram. Until next week, let's continue to make our homes places of joy and service to ourselves and those we share them with.